Welcome to the Christian Car Guy radio show, the talk show dedicated to helping Christians buy and sell cars by the book, not the blue book, not the orange book, but by God's book, the Bible. Call the Christian Car Guy with your questions, 1-866-34-TRUTH. That's 1-866-348-7884. What does being a Christian have to do with buying a car? You're about to find out. Here's your host, Robbie Dillmore. What does being a Christian have to do with buying a car? Well, last week, I was at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm walking across a restaurant there, and obviously there's a lot of broadcasters and folks, and, and one of my good friends, Dr. Michael Brown, recognized me and said, Robbie, come here a minute. I want to introduce you to a few guys. And Dr. Brown said, this is the Christian car guy, to which... Of course, that always brings a laugh as the people at the table are trying to picture out, you know, what a Christian car guy is. And then the guy to my right, he looked me straight in the eye and he said, and I, he didn't say it as if he'd heard it in the episode in, in my show every week, but what he, he looked at me with a question sincerely. He said, what does being a Christian have to do with buying a car? And immediately it's interesting how God gives you something, you know, it's, it's I hear that every week. But my mind went right to an article that I wrote a few years ago called Battling for the Best Price. So what does being a Christian have to do with buying a car, especially when it comes to battling over the best price? So you are about to find out on today's show. And here to help me with this, one of my favorite battlers of all time, my very own Christian junkyard guy, Bob, from 109U Pullet. It's going to be fun, isn't it, Bob? <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. And there's been so many changes in the way they try to sell cars now and some of that's trying to take the haggling out of it and you know that's my favorite part <laughs> nothing like rolling up the sleeves and uh getting to it yeah getting to it there you go yeah and, and can't be afraid to go stand up and head toward the door <laughs> one of my favorite maneuvers <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get into all that but with this whole subject of buying a car, you know, for not everybody, it's, it's just not such a pleasant experience. So I, I was trying to think of a name that noise that would be appropriate, and uh, I came up with one that I really like. So let's let's have a little fun, Bob, and play name that noise. It's time to play. Define that defect. Resolve that roar. Trace that tick. Highlight that hubbub. Name that noise. Chronicle that clatter. There you go. We've got one for you today. If you can name that noise, you call us 866-348-7884. This is a live show. We'd love to hear from you. When you figure that noise, when you can name that noise, you call us 866-348-7884. And if they can name that noise, Alex, tell them what they'll win. Well, Robbie, they could win the Last Words of Jesus book by Stu Epperson or the accompanying CD. What a great time of year to have that book, The Last Words. It's a great uh, Lent, Easter type of a devotion to do every day, The Seven Last Words from the Cross. Amazing book by our very own Stu Epperson. You can win that by calling 866-348-7884 if you can name this noise. I will, I will say that that's not a car defect that you're listening to. That's a noise that somebody who's been around an automotive shop might have heard on more than one occasion. And if you can name that noise, you call us 
seven eight eight four. You're looking at me, Bob, like you might could name that noise. I've never been more sure in my entire existence. <laughs> <laughs> Some what of the I, noises you have, I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what is, you know. But that one right there, I'm I'm a hundred percent. Well, there you go. Eight six six three four eight seven eight eight four is a number to call in if you can name that particular noise. And of course, we're talking about battling over the best price in this article that I wrote. But if you if you read that article, and we'll get a lot into it here shortly, but the underlying thing that I want to bring out is that the second commandment, but you know, love the Lord your God being the first one, and, and the second one, being you know, love your neighbor as yourself is a key part of that struggle. And, of course, Jesus was asked that question, you know, who's my neighbor? And when he got asked that question, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was his answer that ended up on my second adventure for the NRB yesterday. What he said was, he basically told the story of the Good Samaritan. And you might remember that this guy was beaten up and on the side of the road, and the priest went by him without doing anything, and the Levi went by him without doing anything. Well, we are on our way back from Nashville last night in the Truth Car, because I work for the Truth Network. And several of us, with it, well, actually three of us with the Truth Network, were coming back through Asheville, North Carolina, or on the road between Nashville, Tennessee, and Asheville, North Carolina. And there's a part of that road where you're going up the mountain, and it's really, really curvy. And about this time, Rashawn, our actual, um, he does our social media. He's our social media director, very talented young man. He gets a text. And the text that he gets is called, he says, listen to this, guys. It says, what's the right vitamin that every Christian should take? B1, like vitamin B1. And he goes on to explain what that means to be a Christian. And as he's explaining this B1 text, I look to my right. And here's a car broken down in one of these very tight curves there going up in Asheville. And it's off the side of the road, but I just barely see him because I'm in the curve, and there he is. And there's there's a, a guy about my age, which is older. <laughs> You're still spring chicken, brother. Oh, okay, thank you. And he's waving, and it looks to me like he's got a short sleeve shirt. Well, it's night, and it's cold, and it's in Asheville, and in the mountains. And I'm thinking, man, that... You know, he's got to be freezing to death, and, and he's like waving like he needs help. Now, I got a carload of people. We're on our way to home. And, of course, there was no way I could stop in time in the curve to get to him. And so now I'm about a quarter of a mile down the road, and it's going through my mind. Robbie, are you going to be his neighbor? Be one. Now, am I going to be one? Be one. And, and Rashawn is literally reading this thing over here about, you know, what it means to be one. And I, my mind, the Holy Spirit is just grabbing hold of me and saying, Robbie, are you going to be the Levite? Are you going to be over there about a block away from, you know, so you're going to just forget about this guy? And I couldn't do it. So we we go down the next exit, turn around, come down to another exit, come back up because it wasn't the easiest thing to get to. We finally, we get into the curve and there's the man, a very nice man. His name's Perry, by the way. I now know a lot about this. And he says, can you give us a jump? And to give somebody a jump means you've got to get the front of your car to the front of their car, and we're in this curve, and of course we're up behind him. So in order to get the car to the front of his, I've got to get in this curve and flip the car around so I can get the nose of my car to his car. And of course I've got these two guys with us that are <laughs> members of the Truth team, and I don't think I completely prepared them for what I was fixed to do with that car as I had to flip it around to get it to the nose of that other car which is the funnier part of the story because 
after I made that maneuver, they refused to get back in the car for a while. <laughs> they were like, Can't say that I blame them. <laughs> I, can you flip the car back around the other way after? But to make it a very long story short, unfortunately, their car wouldn't start. They got in with us, and as it turned out, they live in Greensboro, and we got an opportunity to go all the way back with them. Uh, we brought them into Winston. Now, the whole, it, you know, you you're, you got two people that were in the car, so now there's five of us in this car, and we're getting to know each other. But the cool thing was, I got to tell you this, Perry, who was, there was Perry and Ronald, this man knew more, he'd listened to my show, and he knew more about AMC cars than I do, and my father was an AMC wow. dealer. And wow. I mean, he was telling me about AMX, and it just turned out to be this, I mean, can you imagine a Two car guys for an hour and a half driving from Asheville. You probably talking. drove everybody else in the car crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. You would think, but man, we had the best time. We were talking about AMXs and all this stuff. And what? It, what? Did it, you know, we just had the best time. And the thing of it was that clearly God's the hero in this story because the Christian car guy. I may have the title, but I was thinking about going on the other side. But man, it, the Holy Spirit was just grabbing hold of my heart and twisting. You got to turn around, Rob. You got to turn around. You got to turn around. And I'm, I'm so glad I did because that way I got to meet Perry and we got to see what's going on there. But we got all these. We, we loaded the lines with people that can name that noise. But we got to go with the first one who is Frank in Salt Lake City. Frank, can you name that noise? Frank, you're on. That's an air impact then. You are exactly right. And, and have you ever noticed how that sound would kind of be like battling for the best price, but also similar to the noise that a, a dentist drill had. <laughs> <laughs> I, I work with a, a Dremel that sounds just like a dentist. But yeah, it does. And so what I was thinking about what some people feel like when they go and buy in a car is kind of like going to the dentist. I said, well, that impact wrench, it, it has this feel of buying a new car. So it was the name that noise. Frank, you have won. Thank you so much for calling in today. That's awesome. God bless. I appreciate your call. All right, now we got all these other folks on the line, and and before they and you can go in a minute after the, if the break there and check with them, but they may want to share a story because the other thing besides talking about battling on the best price, I'm wondering if you have a Samaritan story you would like to share, one where you maybe were the guy on the side of the road, or maybe you were the lady on the side of the road, or maybe you were involved in something like that. Now it's not always safe to pull over, and of course we are a car full of guys, so. I know these things are different. So we don't want to set up that scenario. But if you have that story, you call us. 866-348-7884. So much more. Christian Car Guy Show coming up. What? Does being a Christian have to do with buying a car? Especially when it comes to battling over the best price. That's what we're talking about today on the Christian Car Guys show. But since that has a lot to do with being a neighbor, the next question you can't help but ask is, you know, what is a neighbor? And if you had that opportunity to see what a Samaritan neighbor situation is where somebody needs help on the side of the road or that kind of thing, I would love to hear your story. Of course, my truth compadres will never forget their Turn around in the middle of Interstate 40 in the inside of a curve. <laughs> they didn't. They wouldn't get in the car when I turned it back around the other way, and I couldn't understand Bob. But they just wouldn't do it. They just couldn't see into it, huh? No, they couldn't. But they they did. You know, quick we, learners. <laughs> quick learners. Eight six six three four eight 
888-788-4866-34 truth we'd love to hear your story but on this idea of battling over the best price or slash how does a how, what does being a christian have to do with buying a car and a lot of folks like i said they they look at buying a car like you know pulling a tooth i don't want to have anything to do with that negotiation whatever so in any case when you're going into battle as a christian now in my opinion, we ought to do this every single morning regardless of what we're doing. But I know for certain if you're going to go into a negotiation with someone over anything, you need to put on some armor, right? And, and the good news is that in Ephesians 6, Paul gave us a little insight into what the whole Bible teaches about armor uh, because our battle isn't against flesh and blood. Now, you may think that that guy, because he's a salesman, is the enemy. But God don't look at that that way. That guy on the other side of the table is trying to feed his family. He's working hard. He, he's probably about as scared as you are, and 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 he he's got a boss. He's got to make happy, and there's all sorts of issues going on. And so, from a heavenly perspective, you know, as the forces lining up against you and the salesman are are pretty heavy duty, you need some armor. So, the first thing that they tell us to do, and I, you know, it kind of goes along with the car that I spun around in the middle of Interstate 40, is truth. <laughs> you got a belt on that buckle of truth, and I cannot tell you how important that is from a standpoint on both sides of that table. Because the first time that somebody starts lying, then it's game on. And as a salesman, you learn very quickly how to determine when somebody's lying to you because there's all these kind of questions that you would ask. Are you going to trade a car? No. That's what they've all been taught. They read a book somewhere. I'm not supposed to tell them I have a trade, and that way I can drop it in after they've given me their best price. Well, that's a lie. I mean, if, if, if you've got a trade in and you tell them you don't, you know, essentially, now the salesman looking right into your eyes and they know you're lying, and guess what they are thinking? Oh, it's game on. <laughs> now, you may not have a trade-in, and, and sincerely you don't, and explain that, but if you do have a trade-in, or, or you have a credit issue, or you have whatever issue that you're bringing into this negotiation process, we need to get that stuff out, and we need it to be the truth. Because if you tell me the truth, and one of the, you know, then, then all of a sudden you begin to develop this thing of trust. Because once trust breaks down in any relationship, especially in a new relationship, you know, it's game on. And these people are playing that game every single day of their life, and they're playing it four or five times a day. And so and if you play it once or twice, you know, a year or something, or, or every three years, it's, you're, you're outnumbered, and there's four or five managers with them that play that game. And so, you know, they, it's not the way to go about it. The first thing we got to do is we got to buckle on that belt of truth. And we got to walk in the truth and think about the truth. Well, the next piece of armor that we got to put on is this breastplate of righteousness. And where that fits in, and I think it's a really cool thing, is in right relationship, right? And it's just like, you know, Bob came in this morning, and and we needed to unload the stuff from Nashville. But because he's the kind of friend that he is, he immediately jumped in, right, Bob, and started helping us unload the van. That's what I do. I'm a toting pile man. <laughs> and that's what we were doing. But we we have such a relationship that, and that right relationship that feels good when you're working together with somebody, that's how it should feel when you buy a car. 
it should feel like we're working together to accomplish a common task, which is to get me a great car at a great price, something I can afford, and exactly what my family needs. And a right relationship, that's what that feels like. And when I'm trying to put on a righteousness, it's a right relationship with God, and I've got to bring right things into that. But one of the rightest things I got to bring into this transaction is a right attitude. And the attitude being that the guy across from the table from me really wants to help me. He's not, he didn't wake up this morning thinking, how can I hurt somebody's life? He woke up that morning, hopefully thinking, what could I do that would be worthwhile to help somebody if it's helping my business, helping my family? There's a lot of people to help in this situation. But I assure you, somewhere in there is this, is this heart. And that heart wants to help, just like you want to help. And if we go into an attitude that we're going to bring out the best in the person that we're working with, then that makes all the difference in the world, and that has to do with the heart. That's why it's the breastplate. That's really amazing, brother. There was one of my employees that was not performing well, and his attendance was getting really bad. And and I was just sitting there thinking, you know, this is – this is just not working out, and, and I need to just get rid of him. And, and I just was so profound in my mind that uh, termination was the exact answer. And God slapped me in the head one morning and said, you know, I didn't have your your path crossed with this guy so you could terminate him and, and put him right back out and all this. He said, I put him around you so you could develop him into a good employee because parts of his... uh work ethic were really good it was just uh, a little bit of attitude and uh a little bit of attendance you know wanting to be a little tardy occasionally but then uh i started to encourage him and lift him up and told him that god had, that i had planned on terminating him but god had told me that that was not his plan and that uh that we were going to try to encourage him and uplift him and 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 help him help him you know feel better about himself and 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 be more positive about this and that and just in no time at all he became the employee i needed him to be and uh, he already had part of it but then the other part fell in place when i forgot about bob's plan and got on with god's it's a grace thing and it's a wonderful thing to see what grace will do to a relationship and we've got so much You can imagine there's more armor to talk about. More, how does being a Christian, what does that have to do with buying a car? And we need your Samaritan story. I know you had that situation. We'd love to hear it. 866-348-7884. Call us. It's just an old beat-up truck. Some say that I should trade up now that I got some jangle in my pocket. But what they don't understand is it's the miles that make a man. I wouldn't trade that thing in for a rocket. What they don't know is my dad and me, we drove her out to Tennessee. She's still here now, he's gone. So I hold on. Maybe you're holding on to your old car so you don't have to (laughs) face the battle of uh, how to deal with car salesmen and that kind of thing. We're talking about how or what does being a Christian have to do with buying a car today on the Christian Car Guy Show, but also what does it mean to be a neighbor? And I'd ask that people call in with their story, their Samaritan story on the side of the road when they maybe somebody passed them by or they passed somebody by or 
or the situation that happened to them. We have Meredith is in Boswell, Washington. They're calling in at 866-348-7884. Meredith, you're on the Christian Car Guy Show. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so glad you're up this early this morning and listen to us. <laughs> yes, well, I do a paper route every morning, and I listen to you every Saturday morning. Okay. And every time I hear you, I think of this story that happened in my life, and it kind of speaks to the what you started the program with today about what is, you know, having you know having a car having to do with God. And I was in a car as a passenger driving down the road with someone, and all of a sudden their car just stopped, just dead and pulled off and got out, looked around, tried to figure out what was wrong, couldn't figure out, car wouldn't start, wouldn't start, wouldn't start. And all of a sudden I heard what I felt was God speaking to my head. How can you believe that I can heal you if you can't think I can even start a car? So start the car and drive down the road. So I said this to my friend that I was with. I said, God says, start the car and drive down the road. And he's like, we can't start the car. What are you talking about? I said, God said, how can you expect I can heal you if you can't even believe I can fix a car? So he turned the key. It started right up. We drove down the road, and nothing else was wrong. <laughs> so God cares about your car. <laughs> and, and he gave you Meredith that Ebenezer, right? I guess. <laughs> yeah, he gave you that, that stone right there that you'll always remember Exactly, and and it was, to me, a voice I heard in my head. It was out of the blue, and I really believe it was God speaking at the moment to have that. So, Well, you anyway. set me up for the, the perfect Robbie story. I, I, had oh, lunch with, I had lunch with my brother. I mean, excuse me, yeah. I had dinner with my brother in Nashville since he lived in Nashville last week. And yeah. and he, we were sitting at the table, and he, he said to his wife, should I tell Robbie about my God wink? And she goes, don't tell Robbie about your God wink. No, I want to tell Robbie about my God wink. And he, she, she goes, don't tell Robbie about your God wink. So for those of us listening, and, and I would appreciate your prayers from my mother. She's really, really, really ill. And those Aww. who've listened. Um, yes. I'm really sorry, brother. I didn't. But anyway, yeah. She, uh, they found cancer in her liver now and. And she's Aww. had the bone cancer for a while. But anyway, Mark was, was struggling with that, as I am. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. he, also, um, he also had something happen at work that really frustrated him. And he got a, a download for his car um, that was supposed to upgrade some part of the software. And he went out in his yard and he put this download in his car and it wouldn't work. And it was like a bug or whatever, you know? And he said, Robbie, I got furious at God. Now, I, I'm not going to use the expletives that my brother used on the air. But he was extremely agitated. And he was like, <clears throat> I will use some of the words. He says, I guess you're just Santa Claus. You know, you just give stuff. Oh. And, and he's screaming at God. And if you're really blah, 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 God. <laughs> and he said, then you would make my phone connect right now. And he said immediately, because it's voice command, his phone was <laughs> connected to the thing, and it turned white. And, you know, it lit up, and, and his, he said, he's, 
because he'd used all those words in such a voice. He said, oh, excuse me, sir, I'm on your team. <laughs> All's good. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. Well, God wants to be part of our everyday circumstance, and there's nothing too small. We always think there's nothing too big, but there's really nothing too small for God either. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Meredith. Yeah. I'm, I'm so blessed by your call today and so thankful. Thank you. You know, I used to Thank have a paper route, too, not terribly long ago, so yeah. I know what that's like out there, making that making that happen. Yeah. God bless you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your show. I really enjoy it. Thanks, God. God bless, bless you too. Bye bye. What a great call. <laughs> What's a great call, what a sweet lady. And you and you can see that going on up there. Well, we got Mountain Man Mo in Walnut Cove. He's got a question for me. Mountain Man, this is Robbie. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, how are you? And uh, good morning to you and uh, Bob as well. Well, it's great to hear from you. I haven't heard from you in a while. What you got for us? Oh, I, I just uh, understood that uh, your father was an AMC dealer. He was. My father, actually, his most of his career was with Buick Motor Division. But when I turned about 11 or so, um, he got out of Buick uh, and opened up the American Motors Jeep dealership in Albuquerque, New Mexico, this was about 1970, and so it became AMC right shortly after it was American Motors, and um, that's where I began my love for American Motors and Jeep and that kind of thing, yes. And Opal GT. you got to be kidding me. No, it's, def it's definitely the case. So you got to love American Motors? See, see my uh, second stepdad, he was the AMC uh, uh, aficionado. He had a Hornet. Oh, wow. He had a Matador. <laughs> that, that's such a great a word. A Gremlin. He and was. a Pacer. And a Pacer. Ah, oh, the classic. I still have a Pacer. <laughs> I won't hold that against you. <laughs> it's not drivable. I have one at the yard. Right? That all brings back great memories, Mo. It really does. Because um, those were great cars. And, and, you know, it's a shame that they are no more. But they, they live on, for those of us who know, that there is one American Motors car left, and it is all over the world, and it's there by the billions, and people just don't know they're driving a Rambler. You know what it is, Mountain Man? Rambler, yes, sir. That, I sure do. I, I, actually, my second stepdad had a Rambler, too. Everybody out there driving a Jeep Grand Cherokee, okay? Let me just share something with you. It's not a Jeep. It is a Hornet Sportabout station wagon. And if you go back and look, you're right. You're if exactly you go right. back and look at the Hornet Sportabout wagon, 1972 model, and watch it, it then later becomes an Eagle, which was, you know, a Renault car that they or AMC renamed it Eagle, and they made it four wheel drive. Well, when Iacocca bought Jeep in, in the Eagle from Renault in 1992 or wherever, right in there, he went up there and saw the brand new Jeep Eagle on the on the manufacturer that they had designed for 1993, and he goes, that'll never sell as an Eagle. We're going to make it a Jeep. And so they put a Jeep grill on it, and they went from selling it for $17,000 for $25,000. <laughs> Expensive grill. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Well, it just shows you the value of a brand. As a Jeep, that car sells tremendously, and you can see them all around it even today. But those of us that know, Jeeps always had leaf springs. And Jeeps had a certain drivetrain. Jeeps had a certain everything, a certain type of four-wheel drive. But the Eagle was a little bit different. And 
you see it had coil springs. And so when it when it made the transition, they didn't take all the insides out of the, the, the Eagle part. So that car, from my standpoint, Mo, everybody driving a Grand Cherokee is still driving a Hornet Sportabout station wagon. You know what I'm saying? I'm driving a Jeep <laughs> Cherokee right now. <laughs> One of the things I remember about the old AMCs is everybody used to like to have the spindles to make trailers with because they bolted on so well to make trailers. Yeah, there you go. Well, Mo, I appreciated your call so much. God bless you. Thanks for calling. Uh, Y'all have a blessed day. You too. Thanks, brother. All right. Well, we got it. <laughs> that was really fun. And if you've got a story you want to you want to talk about an AMC car or something, by all means, you call us. 866-348-7884. 866-34-TRUTH. But getting back to our, you know, battling for the best price. What does it mean to be a Christian and buying a car? Well, one of the things that if, if somewhere, hopefully in a conversation with anybody, you mention your relationship with the Lord and that you're a Christian. Now, once that comes out, you now have a new thing that's going on. You are now a witness for Christ in your, everything that you do, and they're looking at what a Christian looks like, and you may be the only Bible they ever read. You know that story. So let me just share with you that when I, every car salesman out there, one of the first things they're going to get taught by their sales manager, I know because I used to do it, was you had to watch out for the three Ps. And the three Ps, you know, when you waited on a customer, these were the three guys that you may not want to um, wait on. And I'm hearing some music in the background. That's because we've got to go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to find out what the three Ps are. I bet you're wondering. I'll let you know that one of them is a policeman and one of them is a physician. The last one I'll save when we come back. You can call us 866-348-7884. You got new bumper music. I like that. What does being a Christian have to do? Well, that was a great find there, Alex. That's some really cool music. Eight, Zero six, to 60 <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I like that. But I like the 30 miles to the gallon. Thing. Yeah, of yeah. course. What does being a Christian have to do with buying a car? That's what we're talking about today. But also, what does it mean to be a neighbor? Maybe you've got a Samaritan story to share. We still have time. We have this segment. By all means, you call us. 866 866- Three four eight seven eight eight four eight six six three four truth and we were going through how we suit up armor when we we're going to go into that negotiation process and I was mentioning that every salesman out there gets trained on the three P's <laughs> that the P, th- three P's that you didn't want to wait on because they were probably going to waste your time and you know it was just a reputation that they had and they were policemen physicians and the third one preachers um. And, of course, I was not a Christian when I learned that adage, nor did I really ever think much about it. But after I had my relationship with Christ, I could see kind of what we do with our witness when we treat people a certain way. And, you know, that's when you when you hang that flag out there, you say you're a Christian. That should be a good thing. And hopefully in all situations, we are flying that flag. But that comes to the next piece of armor. We talked about the breastplate of righteousness. Then are your feet fitted with a gospel of peace? 
And I really think in my mind that a lot of people misunderstand that piece of armor, that when we saw Ahithophel running to tell David the news, when he saw him running towards him on the battlefield, unfortunately it wasn't good news, Absalom had died. But what David said, that's Ahithophel, he runs, he must have good news. And he could tell by the way he was running. And so they got messages those days, their letters came via foot mail. <laughs> then they could tell by the way that somebody was running if they had good news or bad news. They had knee mail back then. <laughs> and so when somebody sees you running and your feet are supposed to be fitted with good news, right? They're fitted with the gospel of peace. Are you running when people see you? Does it look like you have a smile on your face? Do you look like somebody that they want to talk to? Do they look like somebody that's really going to be delivering a good message for them? What, are your feet fitted with that kind of an attitude that you've got good news, man? I, I got really something awesome to tell you. And so when you're in this negotiation process, are your feet fitted with good news? And then you, you got, of course, got to put on the helmet of salvation. And, and that's another one that I really have struggled with over the years because it says that Jesus put on the helmet of salvation in the passage in Isaiah that talks about the helmet of salvation. And I got to thinking, why would Jesus need to put on the helmet of salvation? Because clearly he was already saved. And then I remember the scene from the Passion of the Christ where they were just beating on Jesus' back when he was getting the lashes. And he was so hard-headed. But what was he hard-headed about? The reason why I felt like they, he kept on bringing on the beating was that they could not get over this guy because he was so hard-headed. He was so strong. The strength was unbelievable. It was beautifully portrayed by Mel Gibson in the movie. What was it that was his hard-headedness? It was your salvation and my salvation that made him so hard-headed that he could take any kind of beating. And the helmet of salvation in my, this is Robbie's radical view, the helmet of salvation is that I'm so hard-headed, not just in my own salvation, but in my brother's salvation and that car salesman sitting across from me or that waitress that just waited on me or that next person that comes up or the people I picked up on the side of the road. I've got to put on that helmet and get hard-headed that this is what this is about. This is the battle that's afoot is for souls, folks. <laughs> so, yes, I need a car. Yes, this needs to be. But, man, when I really go into a transaction like that, fit it up with my armor, realizing, yes, this has got to be a win-win. I'm going to get a good deal on all those things, but I'm going to do that through trusting and fitting my feet with the gospel of peace and putting on this helmet of salvation. And then, of course, i got to have faith. As I'm sitting there across the, the desk from one of my most faithful friends. And, and, and friendship has so much to do with faith. Think about it. That, you know, I could call Bob at any given moment. And I know immediately I have an ear to listen. And he would drop anything. He would drop anything to listen to what I, and I or do it. And, and, and that's the kind of faith that comes from a faithful friend. And that word faithful is an amazing word, and that shield of faith means that obviously we believe God's going to come through and it's going to shield us from those flaming arrows, but when it has to do with the right relationship with somebody that we're in a transaction with, having faith in that person is a critical aspect of the relationship. You, know, you see what I'm saying, Bob? And, and, and you know what it's like to have friends. And why does Bob have friends like that? Because Bob's that kind of friend. <laughs> you know, I, I bet you anything Bob has... Gobs of friends like that, but that's because Bob's that kind of friend, and, and that kind of faith is like the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of those 
It's fruits. And when you plant those fruit, it comes with a seed that plants more faithfulness in your life and everybody else's. And so having that faith, and then, of course, yeah, you got to have the sword of the Spirit, which means that you have some offensive armor and you have some scripture there at your hand to use when, when the time comes, when that transaction, all that sudden that person asks you for the reason that the hope's in you. And so you, you may have gotten this that, go ahead, Bob, you look like you were saying something. Well, the, the hope's all we have sometimes. Um, you know, and, and just, it's, it's all we need. And sometimes, you know, we don't realize that that's all we need until that's all we got. <laughs> <laughs> and I have been sustained and, you know, and that's why I've always been so grateful to you to, for listening to God or however you decided to call me into this um, ministry you have. I've always been so grateful because you made me look at myself different and um, it's had some great positive results. And I've met some great people, you know, through you and, and this, you know, this show and everything. And, well, uh, you, you've, you've actually gave me the perfect transition into the last piece of armor, which my friend James Banks, who wrote many books on prayers, would tell you he feels by far and away is the most important and that is the armor of all prayer, right? And pray in all, <laughs> with all prayer, all kinds of prayer. In other words, when we're in the middle of this battle, we got to be able to have a, draw, a clear line of communication with our commander-in-chief. And as we put on this armor, we, we start to ask God, bring godly people into my life. Bring godly people into this ministry. That's been my prayer for the Christian Car Guy Show since its onset, and, and, and he's given me those. And so, Bob, how did it happen? It, it happened with this piece of the armor, all prayer, that we're asking God for godly counselors. We're asking God for the right car. We're asking God for the right price and something that fits into what we can really afford and the means that he's given us and something we're not getting out ahead of him with. There's all those things that are involved in it. So to me, and I would, I would tend to say that it is, it may not be the most important piece of armor, but it is in all the world, one of the critical pieces of armor, and I don't know how you would walk with the Savior without having the armor of all prayer. And I mean, how wonderful it is, just like my caller from Washington, right? Amen. When you get that still small voice, turn the key, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. What a great caller she was. And how fun is this? Next week, I want to tell you, it's our 10th anniversary show. Bob's going to be on there with us. Bill, mm -hmm. all our old regulars, we're going to be recounting 10 years of an absolute blast that God's given us this platform. So it is our 10th anniversary show coming up next week. So looking forward to that. So looking forward to being back with you. And I am so, so grateful for everyone listening and for an opportunity for us to share this time together today. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to The Christian Car Guy. Remember, slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went. Got it all done in 33 years.